0: Alone at night, Yong-ok Shin is uncertain of the masked man behind her. Yong-ok's family in Korea knew the 26-year-old would benefit from the experience of being a student in England, but they worried they could do nothing if anything went wrong, and that night it did. Okie was attacked and stabbed three times. She was to die fighting for the English words to describe her killer.
1: Yong-ok Shin was walking home from a nightclub in Bournemouth uh, in July 2002, and she was attacked from behind without warning, just a, a blitz attack. She was stabbed in the back uh, three times deep, six inches deep, stab wounds, uh, and she bled to death. She, she was still able to speak to the emergency services when they got there and to, to people nearby. But her English wasn't particularly good, and she was you know all she could really say was broken, it was a, it was a masked man.
0: One of the CBS reality jury of 12 gathered together for a special TV trial of the man found guilty of murdering Yong Okshin, known as Oki, was Tracy Haynes, a social housing worker from Ipswich. She found the attack hard to take.
2: I was shocked, to be honest. Um, somebody just out of the blue killed like that when I, I kind of put myself in there and I thought, imagine walking home, you had a good night with your friends and then that's it, that's your lot, done, and you don't even see it coming.
0: Omar Benguit would eventually be arrested and tried for murder. At the heart of the evidence against him, a witness who was with him that night.
3: Omar Benguit was uh, a known drug user uh, and the main plank of the case against him was the evidence of uh, a lady who was also a known drug user uh, and a sex worker. Uh, and she uh, was arrested uh, on occasion for suspected shoplifting. And when she was arrested, she started to drip-feed the police information that she knew something about another incident and that she might have some information for them. And she started to drip-feed a story uh, about the murder of Oki Shin and that she knew something about it.
0: The witness was to become part of a story which led to three trials two appeals, and the involvement of a magazine and hugely popular TV programme. For CBS Reality, 12 specifically selected citizens were asked to revisit the case before reaching their own verdict. In this podcast, we'll hear from CBS jurors Bryn Jones and Tracy Haynes. We'll also hear from defence barrister Matt Stanbury and former Metropolitan Police senior detective Colin Sutton. You will be placed in the same position as the jury. As you consider the evidence, you might well ask should Omar Benguet be serving a life sentence for murder? Or has a miscarriage of justice allowed killers to remain free? I'm Will Henrahan, and this is the Jury Room Podcast. The death of Oki Shin, a student in Bournemouth learning English, resonated deeply with the CBS reality jury. It was because of how vulnerable she was without necessarily realising it.
4: I've got a lot of goosebumps there, just the thought, because an overseas student is is quite often alone um, in as much as she has no family. She's got friends. Um, I had a, a colleague from Hong Kong whose son came to university in, in Newcastle and now became his his uncle, if you like. Yeah. Just in case I I'd, had no real contact with him, but he always had somebody to contact if there was an emergency and I would have been there for him. This girl didn't have that and she's, she's wandering home on her own, suddenly become aware of a masked man behind her and tried to run away, but stabbed three times. and. An awful way to die is to bleed out three times, especially if it hasn't gone through your heart, where it would be instant.
0: And she's fighting for the English language at that point to describe what had happened to her.
1: Students, particularly foreign students, sometimes are unaware of the dangers. Colin Sutton,
0: one-time senior detective at London's Metropolitan Police.
1: They're perhaps more trusting of their environment and of things that are going on and, and don't maybe see the signs, don't maybe... Uh, think about the route home they're taking and to use lit areas and populated areas and these sorts of things because it's not what they're used to where they come from, you know but they, they just simply aren't the dangers in maybe a, a rural village in uh, in somewhere like South Korea as opposed to uh, to an urban environment in, in England
0: Oki had suffered a so-called blitz attack which Colin Sutton explains
1: Just a, a random attack that just happens quickly before anyone can realise what's happening, you know, nobody nobody gets a chance to intervene, not the victim nor any bystander, because it just happens, it's over and done very quickly.
0: Dorset police work a patch where there are large disparities in wealth and circumstances, from the multi-million pound homes on Sandbanks and Pool to the low-rent areas of parts of Bournemouth. They come across different levels of crime, but murder is rare, and the murder of a student at the university from South Korea was big and upsetting news police were under pressure to make an arrest and some months later they were given a name.
1: Omar Benguit's name came into the frame for the police because he was named by an acquaintance of his. Uh, She had given him a lift uh, the evening, the early hours of the morning before the offence took place. Uh, They were acquainted because of their mutual interest in drug taking, essentially. Uh, And She gave evidence not only that he committed the crime, uh, but of his behaviour, of his kind of lifestyle and their lifestyle, which they shared. Uh, And, of course, that made it difficult in some ways to rely on her as a witness of truth, because ordinary members of the public maybe think that people who make those lifestyle choices and operate in those sort of circles are less reliable than the average man or woman in the street, uh, that doesn't always necessarily follow. Um, you know, Because people make certain choices in their life doesn't necessarily mean that they won't tell the truth and won't give reliable evidence when they're talking about something which even they find to be beyond the pale, if you like.
0: From the start, the role of Omar's acquaintance, who were not allowed to identify for legal reasons, was pivotal to the prosecution and hugely annoying to the defence team. Colin Sutton and Matt Stambree.
3: She was using pseudonyms, she wasn't using Omar Benguit's name, but she was using uh, the nicknames of him and other individuals who she was saying were involved, and it culminated in her eventually giving an account to say that Omar Benguit had been involved, that he'd been involved together with others, that she had had them in her car.
1: Well, she said she was giving him a lift, she said that uh, they were driving along and he saw this girl, woman walking along, made some remark and asked her to
3: stop the car. Stop, stop, I want to get out and, and, uh, and speak to her. And she did. They had got out of her car, uh, returned a short time later, um, covered in blood, uh, out of breath. Uh, and the prosecution case was that that was Omar Benguit, having returned from having murdered, having stabbed uh, Oki Shin. She noticed that he had blood
1: on his shirt and at some point later on took the shirt off and it ended up in a carrier bag with another item. And subsequently she gave evidence that that carrier bag was was ditched
3: in a river somewhere. Uh, And that this was uh, a either an attempted robbery uh, or that this was born out of uh, a sexual attraction that the prosecution relied upon uh, that he had towards uh, Korean girls, although there was no suggestion that there'd been any uh, sexual interference with the victim in this case.
1: There was certainly um, a number of people that said that he frequently was in possession of a knife. I think somebody else gave evidence they'd seen him sharpening uh, the knife, indeed, at, at his home or at an address.
0: The police must have known that the key witness may have seemed unreliable to a jury. A regular drug user, a sex worker, and one who was claiming that three men were in her car that night as they trawled Bournemouth looking for a crack den, itself damaging to her standing. For Colin Sutton, however, the case was strong.
1: I think it, it's it's a level of evidence that would not want, it would not cause you to want to stop. You know it 's good evidence it 's good evidence and enough evidence to to base a uh, a proper investigation on but uh, um, it, it certainly wouldn 't take you to the point where you thought well that 's enough i don 't need any more um, There was some corroboration uh, the, the, she took she took uh, Benguit to, uh, to a crack house to a house where, where drugs were available and they could take drugs and others from who were there at present at the uh, at the crack house. Uh, corroborate her story about the blood-stained T-shirt and about um, Benguit changing his shirt there, washing his hands and, and being in a, an agitated state. So it wasn't solely that we were relying on, on her evidence. There was some other circumstantial evidence which supported it. And, you know, circumstantial evidence is still evidence.
0: Remarkably, three trials were to follow as the witness's evidence began to crumble. But ultimately, Benguit was to be found guilty.
3: Omar Benguit was convicted at his third trial. At the first trial, there were three defendants involved because she had said that others were involved. It could later be proved that one of those individuals wasn't there, he wasn't in her car, he'd been given a a speeding ticket and that proved that he was at at that location and not not where she said he was. Uh, And unusually in this case, there was a, a third trial. It's often the case that there are only... Uh, two trials, if a jury can't agree, a hung jury as we call it, there'll often be a second trial prosecution will invariably be given a second bite at the cherry, uh, but usually uh, the prosecution won't be granted dispensation for a third trial to take place. It usually only happens in the most serious cases, and of course this was a a very serious case, but the defence would say, well yes it was a very very serious case, but it was also a case based on seriously shaky evidence, uh, based on the testimony of, of a seriously unreliable witness.
0: Summing up, how did Colin Sutton and Matt Stanbury view the case?
3: It was, uh, on any view, not the strongest case to put before a jury, and it's no surprise in those circumstances that there were three trials, that it took three bites at the cherry, if you will, for a jury to agree. There may not be
1: a, a, a smoking gun as such in this case, but you have to look at the accumulation of pieces of circumstantial evidence, and when you put them all together, then they can sort of mutually support each other, and you end up with a case which is reasonably compelling.
3: And even then, on the third occasion, it was a majority verdict, with ten jurors agreeing and two jurors disagreeing.
0: How did our jury members react to what they heard in the CBS reality jury room? I began by talking with Bryn Jones. And then the police have to find somebody now. Tracey, I've said it before many times, you now know Bryn was a, a policeman for 30 years. Are you, do you feel under extra pressure when it's a case like this?
4: There's always pressure when there's a murder because you also have pressure because the the offender also has family, and they they're feeling the the, the pain and they they have the pain from both sides. Oh God, me my son or daughter is is a killer, but also. I feel sorry for the for the victims' family as well. You know, so they so they they're, they're pulled that way. So y- y- you're fighting your emotions all the time. You can't allow your emotions to come out while you're investigating a crime of of, of this nature. Um, I've heard people, I've heard policemen talk about your work from the evidence up. Y- you do. You you have to. You, you you've got the evidence, and you have to prove that that evidence is is, is clear and it's it's correct. And Tracy, you're not a policeman. Worker,
0: would you if you were a police person at that point of arrested Omar Banquet?
2: Yeah, I would have actually. I definitely would have. I mean, it's very telling if you see blood on somebody and you see them agitated, and then somebody else is saying, "What have you done?" It's what else is the conclusion you need? You should come to. You know, I would have definitely.
0: And what did you make of the evidence then against him?
2: Yes, there was inconsistencies. You know, working with people with addictions. They, they are honest people as well. They don't, you know, you, you can't just tarnish them.
0: Benguit appealed, first on the basis that there should not have been three trials. That was an abusive process. The appeal failed. And then again, because of the behaviour of the star prosecution
3: witness. Her account had gradually changed, it had been shown to be false in certain material aspects. But not only that, but after the conviction she decided to put herself about in the media. She sold her story to a magazine for £500 and she appeared on the Jeremy Kyle show. Uh, but not only that, but when she gave her account to the magazine and to the Jeremy Carles show, it was once again completely different from the account that she'd given previously. She'd added even more gloss to it, to the effect that she was now saying that she'd in fact seen Omar Benguit stab Oki Shin in the street in Bournemouth that night, which was not something that she'd said at any of the three trials or, or in her statements to the police. It was demonstrably untrue. Uh, When asked about that, she said that she had come to remember it over time. Uh, But the defence say that this was hugely uh, significant and damaging evidence because it showed that she was not only unbelievable at at the trial, but she was frankly someone who was not worthy of belief as to her account whatsoever because she simply couldn't tell the same story twice. And in those circumstances, the defence would say that Her evidence was of no evidential value and and couldn't be used, as it was used at the trial, uh, to prop up an otherwise weak circumstantial case.
0: And the defence introduced another sensational argument for the release of Omar Benguit. They named a potential other killer, a man called Danilo Restivo, an Italian native living in Bournemouth, who they said had killed Yongok Shin. Danilo Restivo was a man known to the police. He was a killer who had struck twice against women. He'd killed in a place called Potenza in Italy. He'd barely known his victim, pounced on her outside a church, killed her and left her body on the church rooftop. Suspected by police of the offence, he absconded and moved to Bournemouth. He struck again, killing a mother of two who again he barely knew. Police suspected him and were collecting evidence, including videoing him as he prowled in bushes observing young women.
3: At the trial, there was no mention of Daniella Restivo. Um, there appears to have been a public interest immunity Application made by the prosecution at the time in relation to the fact that there were investigations ongoing into Mr. Restivo, uh, and that means it. it- in practice, that the defence weren't given any information about the fact that he was a man under investigation, but he'd been convicted of a murder in nineteen, in the early nineteen nineties, uh, and he was convicted of a murder later in two thousand and two uh, in the Bournemouth area. So his existence, the fact that he was somebody who. Uh, committed multiple murders against young women was obviously something that the defence, had they known about it, uh, would have wanted to put before the jury. It's something they would have wanted to at least invite the jury to consider, to say, well, look, here's a man living in the area. Mestivo was known to be living in Bournemouth at the time. Uh, The attacker uh, of Miss She was uh, wearing uh, a mask. Uh, Restivo was known on occasion to wear a balaclava. They said, well, there's a similarity there. Attacks on young women, somebody wearing uh, a balaclava or a mask. The defence, at the very least, would have wanted to put that before the jury uh, to say, look, here's the possibility of somebody else in the area who could have committed uh, this murder. They didn't have that opportunity. Uh, and at the appeal, they said that that was another reason why the conviction was unsafe, that the jury ought to have had the opportunity, at least, to have considered uh, the, that aspect of the case. In the end, the appeal court wasn't satisfied that there were sufficient similarities between the Restivo murders uh, uh, and this particular case. They said that there were differences. The victims in the other cases were murdered, for example, uh, in the daytime. The victims in the other cases were women that were known to Mr Restivo. Um, but the defence would have said, look, that, that's all well and good, but that notwithstanding, these are still uh, murders of young women. That Similarity cannot be denied. You have, a, in effect, a serial killer, a killer of multiple women who is living in the area at the time. That, that is something that is highly relevant.
0: The appeal court dismissed both parts of the new evidence as not being enough to quash the conviction of Omar Benguit. On the Restivo claims, the judges said there were not enough similarities with his previous murders to suggest he was the killer of Oki Shin. And as for the unreliability of the witness, the original jury had always known about her background and her character. They still
1: chose to believe her, something which Colin Sutton agrees with. A crime committed in hell doesn't have angels for witnesses. Uh, You know, sometimes if you're dealing with an event with a crime which has happened within one of these subcultures and, and, and people with these lifestyle choices, then the only witnesses you are going to find are going to be people who are members of that subculture and they're going to have all this baggage and all these issues uh, which will quite rightly be explored by the defence because it's their job to um, prove to the jury whether or not the witness is a witness of truth and, and their evidence should be given the weight um, that, that that is suggested. Uh, however, the, you know, when just because somebody chooses to be involved in drugs or prostitution or any of the other kind of things that that people um, might find unusual, that doesn't of itself mean that their evidence is going to be tainted or unreliable.
0: And so to our CBS reality jury members Tracy Haynes and Bryn Jones. They sat through all of the evidence presented at both appeals. They knew about the potential weakness of the star prosecution witness.
2: I, I went with my gut to be honest and I mean she might have had um, a vendetta against the people that she was accusing, it could be anything, but I tried very hard to separate those stories, and you could lie about one thing, but not lie about another, I mean it's it's that simple for me
4: It's it's quite common for offenders to change the story and witnesses for the offenders, if you like, to change the story three, four, five times Um, and that's what the investigator's role is, is to sort the wheat from the chaff and, and, and make sure that the, the, the right part of the evidence is found.
0: Would you have been happy if you were on that team with Dorset Police to take that case to the uh, prosecuting barrister and say, we think this case is going to stand
4: up? I, I do. Her evidence, again, as, as Tracy said, um, the, the defence trying to undermine her because there were too many inconsistencies within that, that that actual case. But as far as the evidence was concerned, I know we haven't got any forensic evidence that, that we, we are aware of uh, in the jury room. There were two other members of a drug culture in that part of
0: Bournemouth who gave evidence to say that they'd seen him with uh, a knife. And, and that, that's, the sum, that's the sum of it. Yes. Do, do you think, Tracy, that, because he protests his innocence, do you think it's possible that somebody who's been proven guilty will just continue to press their evidence? Uh, protest their innocence forever, even if they've done it.
2: Yeah, I, I actually do. Yeah. yeah, I honestly do, because um, I feel like it's more than, oh, I've been convicted, so okay, I'm, I'm, guilty, I'm guilty. You're gonna, If you've said you're not guilty through the court case, why would you then go, okay, <laughs> hold my hands up, I've done it? You
0: To get out of it again. Yeah.
4: So, come on, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the big moment. What did you both find, Bryn? What did you find? I found him, I, I, I was swid from about the third of the way through our sitting. Our um, and I was saying, not guilty, not guilty. But then when I listened to the arguments for his innocence, I, I was swayed more back to the fact that he was guilty. Strange so, to be, because that, that, the, the way that innocence part was coming across just didn't wash with me at all. And then I, I went back to my original assertion that, yeah, this guy was guilty. What about you, Tracy? I
2: agree with um, Brian. I. I flip-flopped um, in the middle. I was like, OK, yeah, she is inconsistent. But then I thought, then I heard what the other jurors said and I, I was like, just, it doesn't make sense. And I yeah. kind of had the motto, if it doesn't make sense, it can't be true. And yeah. it was, I found, them, it found it kind of outlandish, some of the stuff. Like it, it just seems so out there. It makes more sense to me that he would have done it. Yeah, you know it just. So you found him guilty.
4: Yeah, definitely found him guilty.
2: Yeah,
4: And uh, I, I think there's a little bit of naivety on some of the jury members of, of what actually happens in real life. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think we've both have, have seen some horrible mm. parts of life. But that's a jury, though, isn't it? Well, well it yeah, is. And yeah. you know, I, I, I try to assert that some some part of of life that people do carry knives, guns, and and equipment to to commit crime in the vehicles and in the pockets uh, on a regular basis and people think well why, why would they do that well it's to afford them an easy chance of, of committing crime. I
2: agree with you um, if you can't fathom it in your own mind then you co- it couldn't possibly happen that way but yes. the world's a very big place and there's very different people out there and I won't put. I don't put much past anyone, really. Yeah. Are you yeah. finding
0: this as stressful as I am? Watching you, I just am so gripped by what I'm hearing. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I'll break out in hot spots. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a difficult
0: one, isn't it? Uh, okay, thank you very much, Prince. Thank, thank you. you. Tune in to the CBS reality program to see what the outcome of the TV trial of Omar Bongoit was. The defense team believe the Omar Bongoit case should be examined again by the Criminal Cases Review Commission. They think him not guilty. What do you think? Put yourself in the position of the original jury. Consider the new evidence. Is he guilty or not guilty? What's your verdict? You can watch the full episodes on CBS Reality. Join me, Will Hanrahan, next time on the Jury Room Podcast as we consider another case of a convicted murderer protesting their innocence.